Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Online Podcast, sponsored by Workforce Dimensions Limited. And after droning on for ages last week and then not managing to edit the show for what seemed like days, I'm still John Phipps and I'm pumped and I'm ready for this week's show. And part of the reason that I have a spring in my step is that my co-host is back from his holidays and has swapped the beach and lilos for an office in Broadstairs. Matt Gerrard, how was your holiday? Not bad. Did you find out um, what the world record is to people going on a lilo? Well, no, I looked and I couldn't actually see anything um, anything that was actually approved by Norris McWhirter. Um, but then I was in a shop and I can't even remember where I was. Um, but there was a, <laughs> there was a, a, a lilo and I nearly took a picture of it. But the shop was really busy. Um, and it seemed to be a blow-up lilo. And I'm not kidding you, the woman looked like average average height, average build, and you could have fitted about six of her on it. So I don't know if that was some sort of a special giant uh, one. Maybe, maybe that's the way forward there, yeah. Well, you could, well I suppose you could be a, you could probably use a mattress. Uh, like, like mattresses were like that, I suppose, couldn't you? They do camping with, but yeah. But that was, that was yes, going back to normality. Yeah, lovely holiday, uh, back to reality. But uh, hey-ho, as my mum says, you've got to come back to go away again. That is exactly yeah. what my mum says as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a good old mum thing. Yeah. When I'm depressed, thinking, oh, bugger, I've got to come back to work and stuff. But uh, there you go, such is life. Well, indeed. Uh, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm glad to have you back anyway, mate. It wasn't the same without you last week. Well, you said it was a great show and it had record numbers. Well, it didn't have record numbers. But, uh, you know what, it, it was. It had some good interviews on it. I quite enjoyed it. And, and you know, I, I, I obviously know that you must have downloaded it and listened to it on your holiday, yeah? No. Oh. I never, I never listened back to our quality work, so... Uh, well, you weren't on it, so how could you... How could it... How, it's not well, your well, quality work last week, it's my quality work. Seconds. So, well, yeah, well, well, okay. of course, I, I know it's quality with you, John. I don't need to listen back to say what the quality is. Well, you could have learned something, though. You'd have learned about Sutton Athletic and, and Tunbridge Wells and stuff. Uh, well, you can film me in now, if you like. Um, I spoke to Sutton Athletic and Tunbridge Wells last week, mate. Uh, I'll miss them back. If I get time, I'm a busy man. I'll get better. First of all, I need to put an apology. You know my good friend Tom? Yeah. And I criticised him about buying his cricket bat, which was like 500 quid or something ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. This weekend, I was in the airport in Malta and my phone's like, boom, bing, 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 bing. He only got a score. 182 oh. not out. Wow. 182 not out. Again, I think it was against Folkestone Thirds. Fair play to him. You know, I think his high school was that was 88 before six. So he's made and done. And it's, that is what they call a big daddy hundred, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. So That's phenomenal. I criticised him a lot about his cricket. Criticised about his cricket because one of the big things, I had my 40th birthday party and he'd rather play cricket in the pouring rain than come to my 40th birthday party. But if you're going to score 182 not, not out... Fair play to him. Um, so I haven't actually spoken to him yet about it, but I'm sure my mobile, my phone will die because he's going to go through every single ball what he got. But maximum respect for that. So maybe rather than using the plastic bats that I used to use to buy off the beach for about a pound, maybe that's why I wasn't any good at cricket. You need to buy a 500 pound bat, but 182 nuts out. What a man. Well, indeed. Funny enough, I actually had a conversation with uh, with your good friend Tom as well last week because on last week's podcast, uh, I mentioned the fact that in 1989, it was episode 89, you see, um, me and uh, Haley, my my other half, were both at the same holiday camp at the same time. Um, but she was 11, How and did I you know was... that? because we worked out that 
I was like, oh yeah, but I, I was there in May half term, nineteen eighty nine. She was like, so was I. So it can only have been, and it can only have been the same place at the same time. So if you look at your photos, you see those things, don't you? In the, you know, well, I got married to my partner, and then we look back at our photos with my great granddad, and there's a picture of us in the background of those photos. Have you looked on that? No, I, I, do you know what? I need to actually see if we have got any photos. But here's the thing, you see, I had a message from your friend uh, Tom. He said, I think I can beat your story about being on holiday at the same place as the other half without knowing her by a dist by distance, but maybe not time. Boxing Day test in Melbourne 2013 when Piers Morgan got bowled out by Brett Lee. I was there and worked out from the photos his now wife was standing about a metre away from him. From what, They looked at the photos that they both got of the day and they were about a metre apart. I didn't even know that each other existed until July 2014. And to use his own phrase, started courting in October 2014. Now, that is a coincidence. Other side of the world. That, that is, I always remember when I went to Australia, um, I was going down an ele elevator and a bloke from, I was quite friendly with the university, was going up the other side. And we sort of said, oh, hello, mate. The world is quite small when you think about it from that point of view. So that is very bizarre, isn't it? So maybe... Things aren't meant to be. Was there any... Uh, we could have met... Well, yeah, yeah, you can mean things are meant to be. Maybe, you know, yeah. are you going to go back to that place and reminisce? I don't, well, I don't know, really, because, you know, it was just oldie. I was, I was eight or seven. I, I don't, I, you know, was like, it? you know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, I was just going to say... What location was it? Uh, Chesil Beach in Weymouth. Oh, right. Yeah. All right. I've never been to Weymouth. Yeah, you haven't, you haven't missed a lot. Um. It's further away than Eastbourne, and you say that's too far for you to visit, so... That is too... That's a moment, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, Weymouth's supposed to be nice. Everybody raves about Weymouth, but I've never been. Did you get any Effiong uh, merchandise out in Walter? I did see some snidey... I love a football stadium. Every time we go on the bus, all the... There's a football stadium, but it's sort of... Uh, from that point of view, and I did ask the bus driver, uh, who took us to our hotel, who had a massive Liverpool tattoo, and he was a big fan, and he did point out the National Stadium, and apparently they play there all their games there, basically, the league and things like that. So, um, but um, no, I didn't see much uh, football. But yeah, I saw, I, I do put, I can say I've seen the Maltese National Stadium, so not many stick that in your pipe and smoke it. No, exactly. That's a, a, a real tourist highlight. I've, I really am so pleased for your wife and two daughters that you managed to see such a, a marvellous thing during your, yeah, exactly. uh, your holiday. I do love a football stadium. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Anyway, uh, we are into the Nervous 90s now, which obviously means you've now recorded an episode for each minute of a game. Uh, and of course, when, when when I think of 90, Italia 90 will always come to my mind. Now, I was eight and I, and I loved it. So uh, how was it for a probably slightly more cynical 15-year-old? Uh, good. I remember taping every single England match. I don't know why. Because never, you never watch that. I remember taping every single match. I remember losing the penalties. And I remember jumping up for joy when David Platt scored. And I remember, this is really, I was right for the opening ceremony. Um, I was playing Graham Gucci's cricket while watching Cameroon v Argentina. And Graham Gucci's cricket was good. When you hit a six, the ball looked like it was going to come out of the screens here. So, Perfect. little oh. things like that. But no, I, it, it gets a bit of a grilling, saying one of the most negative World Cups of all time. But when you're 15 and England get to the semi-finals, um, arguably, it's one of my favourite World Cups, Italian 90, because it's... You, yeah, you know, I was well into football by that, but you know, it was one of those things. Uh, the games run at a good time, and you know, I was fourteen, whatever it was, so it was good. I think even at the Italian World Cup, I did my work experience at B and Q. <laughs> exactly, so I remember that because I was going to the games, 
and rushing home because I did my work experience of being cute. Mm-hmm. Why I did that, I don't, I don't know. Highlight of the week was getting locked in the toilet and nobody let me out. So. Brilliant. Um, I, I, I like you. I, I mean, I, I say I was eight and I absolutely loved it. And my one of my abiding memories of it is we were having our living room done in our in our uh, house in in Sturry where we live near Canterbury uh, in the summer of 1990. We having it decorated and um, obviously wallpapered, and they'd stripped the walls. And I remember getting home from school on the day of the opening game, the Arge- the. Uh, Cameroon Argentina game and my mum had written in pencil on the bare walls welcome to Italia 90 and I always will I can still picture it now you know it's even though we're what nearly 30 years on from that I can still picture it so clearly um and and I just loved it I, I watched as much as I could I can it, I, I had a video of it afterwards as well my dad got me like a video with all the goals of it on and I sat and watched it for hours and hours and hours it was you know, and I, I get what people say about it being a, a negative World Cup, but oh man, I loved it. It was brilliant. And um, if you've never read it, uh, the book All Played Out, which uh, is by a chap called Pete Davis, uh, it's been rebranded as One Night in Turin uh, these days as well, is, I'm going to say, the best football book I've ever read, actually. Uh, the guy gets unprecedented access to the England team with Bobby Robson and all the players. Um, and, you know, it was all... The build-up was all about how bad the England hooligans were going to be, but by the end of it, it was a nation that had fallen in love with football. So, if you've never read that book, I really, really, really recommend it. Yeah, well, it changed the game, didn't it? Changed the game. Have you read it? Jump us the goalposts. I think I have. I don't think I have. But I think I've got it right over on my shelf at home. So it's one of those books that you think um, should uh, probably get out of the bin. But no, I, I, there's, there's a film about it as well. I think in some ways, isn't there? One night in I've seen the documentary. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, but also, I've seen the uh, there's a few doc- football documentaries. We better move on because it's getting on a bit. But I've watched the Leeds documentary on Amazon Prime, which I've signed up for, which I really enjoyed. And uh, I don't know, whisper it. Like, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Leeds with their fans, so I quite enjoyed that. So I'd recommend that if anybody wants to uh, watch a bit of football documentaries. It's a bit, it's a bit more serious than the Sunderland one, which was very hilarious. Exactly. Right, let's move on then. Uh, when I started writing the script for this week's show last night, we were going to begin with the FA Vars, but since then there's been two, well, three managerial departures. Uh, the first was announced last night on Tuesday night when after losing 3-2 to Tunbridge Angels, Dartford pun- parted company with joint managers Jamie Coyle and Adam Flanagan. And now we know a little bit about Dartford, but not as much as Paul Philpot, a long-term fan of the darts, and Matt spoke to him this morning to take in that news. Well, you take it from the tail end of last year when there's one win in the last eight games. You know, obviously a lot of injuries as well. And the start of this season, one win in nine. Again, the start of the season with some injuries. So they're mitigating factors. But at the end of the day, results don't lie. Two wins in the last 17 games for the management. You know, and most most managers wouldn't survive with that sort of record. And uh, whether they've done the honourable thing and just kind of stepped down from it, you know, that's probably the right thing. Did you, you know... Over the summer, the signings you brought in, you lost, you know, key players like Bradbrook who retired, etc. Like that, was there optimism about the signings you made? The likes of Flisher, Norman Wabo came in, Cunningham, who I quite like as a player as well. Was it? Was there optimism? I think the recruitment this summer was a lot better than the previous one, and I think the managers would uh, would agree with that themselves. As you say, we're losing the lines of Elliot Bradbrook, you know, probably a player that you cannot replace, you know, and obviously they tried to bring someone like Sam Blackman from Concord Rangers, who unfortunately broke his leg in pre-season, so. Again, you know, there was those problems as well. But, you know, the recruitment was good. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether it was down to kind of um, kind of injuries. 
tactics, formations, something just wasn't happening on the pitch. And, you know, last night's performance at Tunbridge, you know, it was very disappointing. You know, take away Mark Smith in goal, who made about three or four really good saves, it could have been a real drubbing. Yeah, you think about this, I think we had a discussion on the pod, you know, do joint managers work? We can't think of any joint managers across the game in general that have been successful and they've lasted 14 months. Do you think the, the joint manager situation works? Who was in charge when you look at this sort of thing? Well, I mean, you know, I, I know both of them um, not that well, but well enough to, to speak to him. And that's funny enough, I actually spoke to Adam before the game last night, actually. And, uh, he was quite upbeat, having got a lot of the players back. But again, you just don't... I mean, personally, two managers, does it work for me? No. Um, you know, they've got to both be singing from the same hymn sheet. You know, like most managers, you know, man, you've interviewed enough managers in your time for Radio Ken, but, you know, that uh, they all have their own way of thinking, etc. So you're never going to get 100% clarity on every decision, every selection, every recruitment. So for me, probably two managers doesn't work, but... Exactly. The Conference South is a tough division now. You're struggling in the relegation zone. The key question is now, where did Dartford go now? From you, from a personal point of view, you know, you look at it when Tony Berman was there, you know, a very long time, the person taking over him, it was always going to be a tough job. Do you think Dartford, I presume, maybe Tony Berman's going to take it on as a caretaker basis? Do you think Dartford will go outside the club, so to speak, probably have played for it and gone to somebody new? Well, I remember us having a conversation a year ago when Tony sat down, and I think a lot of people thought maybe the time was right, you know, to freshen things up. I think a lot of fans actually were looking to having something completely different, something a non-Darford man, as you say. Um, obviously, Bald decided to go down the route of, of ex-players, you know, and, uh, of, you know, have had managerial experience. For me, though, I personally would like to see someone completely, you know, outside of the Darkford uh, circle, really. Just to be given a go, you know, just to see... If they, if they can, you know, kind of get Darford back up the table. But, um, you know, would Tony come back in for, as a caretaker manager? That quite possibly be. I would certainly think it would probably be a, a possibility for Saturday's game against Dawkins. Yeah, also, you know, name, names are going to throw out there. There's Chris Kinnear, the Jay Saunders of this world, Steve King. What would... Do you think you need somebody experienced at this level? Steve King is a name that comes to mind. He did a job at Welling last season. Would, you, would he be appreciated? All those names, mate, are very, very good managers. You know, we've had obviously conversations about Chris Kinnear, etc. I'll throw another name in the hat of Bobby Wilkinson, who was at Wilson last year, did a really good job there and kind of walked away in the summer. Not sure why. Um, you know, there are an, enough good managers, say James Saunders, Steve King did a very good job at Welling last year. There are, there are managers with good pedigrees that would probably jump at the chance to try and take Darford, you know, back up the table and... A team like Darford, without sounding, you know, kind of like, oh, they should be up the top of the table. But playoffs, really, for the likes of someone like Darford, you know, they should be challenging. And at the moment, they're not. Yes, it's a decent club with a decent, you know, it must have been a tough decision for the board. They're all supporters, very loyal um, uh, chairman and board of directors there. Do you think it was a tough decision for them last night? I think it was, you know, I know Steve quite well, and it, it would have pained him, you know, to, to, to kind of get rid of. Of, of, of friends as well as, as, as managers and ex-players etc you know who, who dearly both loved the club and really wanted to do well for the club but um, you know it, it's a sorry state of affairs really you know when you know two wins or one win out of the first nine and in the relegation zone you know that, yeah I mean I think the board have probably made the right decision and they'd be interested to see who they appoint in the future it's not interesting there Matt 
Paul seems to be saying that that's a, that it was a decision by the board. My, my sources are telling me that uh, maybe Coyle and Flanagan got in first. Um, but either way, I think that the time had come, hadn't it? Yeah, I think um, I think we had a private you know conversation before the start of the season and thought if they didn't start up particularly well, they could be in trouble. They haven't started particularly well. Losing to Tunbridge, struggling at the wrong end of the table, conceding goals for fun. Yeah, it goes to the old age. I was mentioned to Paul in that. I do joint managers work. And it was always going to be difficult to take over Tony Berman, Mr. Dartford. They've lost a lot of key players. Some of their signings haven't worked out. A lot of this, you know, last season they must have used 40 plus players. Um, some of their signings were pretty good, decent in the summer, but hasn't worked out. And Dartford have now got to somehow regroup. Maybe promotion is going to be difficult for them this, this season, but they've got to, you know, those couple of seasons in the National League. Got to be wary. They just don't turn into, you know, may I say, like a Chelmsford, just stay in the conference house, never really doing too much, you know, getting the blast and losing out. But yeah, disappointing for that. But um, for them, but they move on, and the next appointment will be massive for Derby. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they are twentieth in the table, one win in nine, and when you add that onto last season, it just hasn't worked. And you know, both the managers are, are nice blokes, and, and as, as Paul said there, you know, it won't have been an easy decision for anyone involved in this, but it, it is time. I think it, it's, you know, they've got to try and rescue this season because they don't want to find themselves deep into a relegation battle uh, for, for, for too long in, in this pig of a division where there are some very, very difficult places to go. Um, and I suppose the big question is, is who next, Matt? I know who you are back in, uh, or I'd imagine I know who you're back in, but uh, time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, of course. Um, Chris Kinnear will be heavily linked with the job. Um, I think he's still a part-time role. I don't know what his teaching is. I haven't spoken to him for a while. So, on that basis, Steve King, I'm sure he's already thrown his hat into the ring. And also, you know, I know he's got a job at the moment. Jay Saunders may be interested in something like that. At Margate, or even Steve Water, we know, may be interested. There'll be plenty of applicants for the for the position here. And it'll be interesting to see what they do, Darfur. Do they wait for the appointments? Um or have they got somebody in mind already? Football is a fickle game. They may already have somebody in mind already before they retire with the managers. So, um, yeah, interesting to see there. But um, who's your favourite for the job? Do you, do you think Kinnear will be in for it? I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if he's got the... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he, if he will want it. That's the, that's the big thing. You know, do, 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 does he have the desire? Um, I mean, there's going to be, a, like you say, there's going to be a few names knocking, knocking around. I was looking at other people as well. Uh, one of the ones I thought we might be in, in with the shout has actually got a job, I found out, but that was a disappointment. Um, I did ask a few people. Who was that? I, I did wonder about where the former uh, Billericay manager Brennan was these days, but he's at Kingstonian and doing so, a great yeah, job yeah. there. Yeah. So, um, but, and here's a name for you, Matt. I'm going to sl- sling in here. Steve Lovell. Good shout, good shout. Oh, very good shout. Um, yeah, if he wants to get back into the game, um, respected. Um, I think that is a really good shout. Does he want it? He's managed on league with um, Ashford and Sittingbourne numerous years ago, but it could be a role that interests him. I know Mark Patterson as well. He was his assistant there. He's left the Gilles as well, isn't he? So, yeah, I think it will be a position that will get a lot of applicants. And maybe Dartford have got to... I think maybe uh, take their decision on this. They've got Tony Berman, who you'd have thought is still a director of the club, can sort of steady the ship for a few games and go from there. But it's a massive appointment for Dartford and they've got to get it right. But you mentioned a few names there. There's plenty of 
managers available in Kent who, who I'm sure will want this job. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's an appealing job for anyone who's not currently at that level of football or, or below. You know, you would look at it and you would say, well, th- there's got to be an opportunity for someone there. Who uh, And, you know, Dartford are a club. They've got a good, solid fan base. They're a good club um, and, and they are in the, in the right direction. I mean, I did, I did ask um, people on, on Twitter for their thoughts. Um, at Kep6006 said, it's sad for Jamie and Flan, ex-players, good guys with time for the fans who were trying to play entertaining football. Good luck, fellas. Uh, and then he followed that up with another one saying, no idea if the replacement is Kinnear Agoa. And then Martin Pierce, a man who I'm sure you know, Matt, said, uh, added that he's not a darts fan, but it would be good to see Chris Kinnear back in management. So he's obviously going to be a name. But it's one of those where Dartford will, will need to take their time. And it is the, the Manchester United situation, isn't it? Because, you know, they had a long-serving manager. It hasn't worked. They brought someone in, not necessarily the chosen one, as, as Moyes apparently was. But it does take time to, to regroup after that sort of um, that sort of long appointment, doesn't it? And... You know, I think that someone completely new, a new brush would, would be the best solution. And do you know what? I'm going to stick with my Steve Lovell shout, I think. I think that's a really good shout. I think, you know, you know, they, they, Flanagan and Coyle had played a lot of games for Dartford, so they knew about the club. But maybe a clean sweep coming in, somebody who, you know, not necessarily play for them, but... Um, you know, comes in and looks at it from a fresh idea is maybe the way forward for Dartford because we don't we don't want to see them struggling to be honest. I, I didn't think they would have a particularly good season, so um, I thought they might you know not struggle as badly at this, but um, I thought it could be a difficult season for them. And I, I feel sorry for the manager, but I'm sure they'll be back. Uh, Flanagan and call it in management sooner rather than later. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Flanagan obviously has had a, a quite a bit of uh, experience in the past, um, most of it in Essex. So we'll be interested to see what 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 is next for him and. And Jamie Coyle as well. And it's interesting as well, you mentioned Jay Saunders and you mentioned Steve Watt, who may both be interested, who may both... But if you're a manager and one of your... or an out-of-work manager and it's one of your friends who leaves the job, does that impact you on going for it, do you think? Because obviously both Jay and Steve Watt would know Jamie Coyle very, very well. Uh, no, I think football's a, you know, a, a business that everybody's a bit different from everything else. I think... Um, Maybe Jay, well, putting words in his mouth, maybe he would probably speak to him, but I'm sure football's a fickle business. If, if a job that comes up, you want it, you got to do it, even though it could be your best friend, but it was a close friend involved. So no, I don't think that makes any difference. Right, that, so that was one managerial department, departure. And then just as I was queuing up at the dentist, uh, Matt Joe sent me news of another. So do you want to tell everybody else the other departure, uh, Matthew? <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, Sam Denley, uh, and I've had a disappointing start to the season, High Town. I think they lost 7-1 it in the Velocity Trophy last night. Um, they had a disappointing one. They were thrashed 7-2 on the opening day. They lost 5-0 at Cray in the Cup. Um, yeah, he's lost Sam Denley's quit. Um, Hyde, he did such a fantastic job in the, the back end when he came in. Probably was about February 2018, was it? And nearly got in the playoffs. Finished seventh, finished seventh last year. Poor start to the season now sitting in the bottom three and conceded a lot of goals. Um, he's resigned, so high town looking for another for a manager. And I feel for Sam because I know you had him on the radio show before the start of the season and he was pretty confident success would be going forward. Yeah, it's, it's really disappointing for, for them. and, and you know, the, the, But the results speak for themselves. Just one win and three defeats so far this season in the league, uh, coupled with a, a big defeat in the FA Cup as well. But it's the manner of those defeats as well. I mean, they lost 7-2 to Burgess Hill on the opening day and Burgess Hill haven't won again. Um, so, and, and losing at Faversham, a, a club that I think most of them will, um, you know, I, I think that 
people are probably not looking at Faversham and thinking they're a team he's, he's going to win. Well, they've beaten them twice in the early stage of the season. And and, and it's a real shame for Sam because I know he's brought in some good players there and, and for whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked. And I guess when it comes to that sort of stage, you just have to look at it and say, you know, maybe it's the best move for everybody, much like with the Dartford situation. And, and Sam, you know, he's 35. Uh, I'm sure that he will be keen to get back into football. But, he's, you know, he's, he's, had, he's gone straight from her. He was Herne Bay, now he's high. You know, I'm sure that he will... Um, that he, he he will find a way of bouncing back, but uh, you know the, the the disappointment is is obvious for 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 him and for High Town. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed for him now. Where the high go from here? Again, there'll be plenty of people interested in that position. Again, I expected them to be you know the likes of Hive, um, Cray Valley, and Ashford to be the main size challenging this season. It hasn't worked out for Hyde. I see their advertising position again. They've got a lot of people in. They haven't got a game this weekend, so it takes time to look into it. They're well-run club hive. It just hasn't really worked out for them. Where they go from here, that will be interesting to see. I wouldn't have thought Coyne and, Fl- Coyne and Flanagan will be too much into that position at the moment. But um, where do they go? Do they get somebody from the scaffold? Highly rated managers coming up there. Or do they go to somebody proven? Or even, throwing that in the ring, Chris Kinnear Jr. His dad started around about the same age he did now. Will he be interested to get into it? I know he's got a decent job outside football. Will um, Chris Kinnear Jr. start his managerial career at Hyde? He's there as well. You've got Franny Collin there. So you have got some experienced players. Will one of them decide, right, let's go for it from that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an appealing job though, Hyde, isn't it? I would, I'd imagine that there are going to be a lot of people thinking, yeah, that's a, a, there's, there's potential there. And, and you know, it's a big appointment for them because they're only four games in. It's not too late to... to get up the league they're only seven points off the top of the table even at this at this early stage and the 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 potential is there so there's going to be quite a few people sort of interested in that job yeah i'm sure there will be that um within the kentish kentish area i'm trying to think who would be um going it from there but yeah we've seen a lot of players in a lot of managers come and go but it's it's a decent job decent crowd they get down down there decent part of the thing again attracting players Sam Denley brought in players that he knew and of course this, when you get to this sort of level players may um, come in for certain managers of course one person we could think about Ray Turner of course Favisham manager he's been out of it for a while knows his level maybe he's somebody that Hyde may turn to yeah um, interesting the club are asking for people who are interested in, in putting the, the putting the hat in the ring uh, to email the club uh, by 10pm on Friday so they want to get it done something uh, and then they will do a uh, they say they will shortlist people. They'll make a shortlist on Saturday, and then have interviews locally on Sunday. So they're not going to mess about. High. They haven't got a game this weekend, obviously, because they're out of the FA Cup. Uh, so it looks like they want to make an appointment quickly. Do you, do you want the email address, Matt? You fancy it? Um, I'm a bit busy this weekend, so I'd love to be a football manager, John. Of course, you you could be the kit man picking up the bibs and cones, but. Um... I don't know if I'm qualified, I, I, mate. I'm, I'm letting this job, job go for the minute. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Hive Town are, are without a manager. And, uh, well, we, we probably by the time this time next week, Matt, we will know who will be the new manager at Hive Town. So, uh, interesting times ahead. I'm, uh, I'm going to say, I'm putting, you mentioned Lovell. I'm, I'm going to say Ray Turner. Okay. Good. Good shout. We'll, we shall see what happens next week then. Right, let's move on then and actually talk about the football that's happened this week uh, with the FA Vars we'll start with. On the whole, it was a good week for our Kent teams. Uh, in fact, it was a very good week for one of them as Kennington, on their first ever appearance in the competition, were 4-1 winners away at Epsom and Yule. 
Uh, after that win, I caught up with manager Dan Scorer to talk about that achievement, that win, as well as his role at Ashford United. Yeah, I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, it was it was quite a big occasion for the club. Obviously, the biggest game in the club's history. Uh, you know, in, in each year, it's we're, we're stepping into new territory, so it's all very exciting. So, you know, it, it was nice to come away with a win, but. In all honesty, I, I just wanted the boys to enjoy themselves because they, they really deserved it. And and to go away to a team who, who've been in the final of the competition and, and come back with a 4-1 win, that's, that's just the icing on the cake, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, in, in all honesty, I, I didn't know too much about the, the history and that much depth. Um, we, we did go up and have a watch myself and uh, our management team. We went up and watched um, the Tuesday night game against Bud Island. Um, so... So we had a look at, at what they were about, and we, and we knew how we were going to be able to, you know, to take the game for them. And then, um, yeah, it all went to plan. Everything's been uh, going amazingly for Kennington, hasn't it? I mean, the, the way that you've you've grown as a club in every aspect, and, and I suppose the FA Vars is, is is just one thing that is is an amazing thing that probably when you took over what six years ago, you never would have believed could happen. No, no, I really didn't. And in all honesty, I didn't know if. Uh, if if what you know stepping into town and going into management was something that was going to work for me. I mean, I was 23 at the time, had to stop playing unfortunately because of uh, a knee ligament injury. Um, so you know, I, I joined the club having played there as a youth player, and I, I knew the gentlemen that were involved in you know, in, in running the club, um, and they approached me about coming in. And you know, I was I was grateful for the opportunity, but at the same time, I had to start from fresh because a lot of the players there didn't really believe that we would, I would amount to anything, um, or the club would amount to anything under my guidance. So it was really building from a group of 16, 17, and 18 year old lads, and you know, it's, it's great to see that three or four of those lads are still with me now. Okay, so it's uh, quarter to twelve on Wednesday night, and. Uh, I'm just editing the podcast together and there's been some uh, rather annoying technical gremlins uh, which have cut off the end of the interview with uh, Kennington manager Dan Scorer. Uh, it really, really annoyed me. Uh, lost about six or seven minutes of the interview, which was really, really entertaining stuff. Uh, I'm really sorry that we've not been able to bring it all to you. Unfortunately, it's uh, not something I'm going to be able to fix either, which doesn't exactly make things better. I appreciate that. Uh, so I would just like to apologise to, to to Dan and to Kennington and uh, to, to all of you because you're missing out on something that was actually really good there. Um, yeah, real shame uh, that we've lost that. You've heard a little bit from, from Dan there and uh, we will definitely get him on later in the season uh, to discuss a, a bit more and, and so we can all learn a bit more about Kennington because it was a really interesting interview you uh, he went on to talk about uh, things such as how, how the club works and and how they they link up with Ashford United and how he's not afraid of younger players moving on uh, and, and sort of the challenges and his hopes that they can get into the top four this year uh, I am really gutted that the interview's not there uh, I am really sorry but uh, the show must go on and uh, so it's back over to me and Matt Interesting fella, uh, Matt, and obviously football is a big part of his life and Kennington are going great guns and also helping to bring the youngsters through at Ashford United. Uh, I thought some really interesting points he said, you know, if people want to come play at Kennington and use it as a stepping stone, that's fine by me. And, and I think clubs at that level have to take that attitude, don't they? Oh, absolutely. We see a lot of people in academy football or youth football who maybe reach 16, 17 years of age and, you know, where do they go from here? Because they're not 
got to go to the standards. This is going to Kennington, learning off new players, and again, playing men's football. That's the key part of all this, is playing men's football, getting that physicality, working together. And that, what a fantastic result for them in the FA Vars. Game. I don't think they're really going to win the competition, but it's a run for them. They can go from there and go from there. And it, it seems an upcoming manager. And there's a lot of people out there who would like uh, him there who work at the grassroots, but learn players up and trying to build themselves up, build themselves a reputation as a manager to go on for bigger and better things. Yeah, and, and Kennington, obviously, that's a, a great win as well. Uh, when I got a message on Twitter right, telling me, they said, oh, we've beaten the former finalists. And I thought, oh, that's impressive. How recent was that? Well, it was the first ever final that Epsom and Ewell were in uh, of the FA Vars. But even so, uh, a 4-1 away win in the Cup, no matter what level, is, is, is always impressive. Well, people say that Barry they won the FA Cup in 1906 whatever it was so fair play use that Kennington uh, yeah fantastic Epsom you'll to me sound like a, a big old fashioned non-league club so going there putting a result 4-1 really fantastic result yeah they will play Siddlesham in the next round after Siddlesham uh, won their replay on uh, on Tuesday night against oh, Siddlesham, Siddlesham uh, against Stansfeld it's having a Chichester mate um, what, what I loved about Siddlesham's win, they won 3 uh, 1 on Tuesday night. Uh, one of their players, their, their opening goal scorer, is called John O'Talent. Now, that's a name, isn't it? Unlike John O'Jon O'Phipps, not being a talent. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair fair response to the banter that you had uh, this morning on our one of our yes. WhatsApp conversations. So, that's yeah, true, I'll take true. that. And uh, I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I am not a talent at, at, at anything <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, that's the thing. That is a good comment. Uh, Cross comes in, talent with the header, talent with the goal. Yeah, exactly. What a talent, you could say. What a talent, yeah, what a talent. over yeah, and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, over and over, we need to sign him up. Yeah, so by and large, uh, the rest of our Kent teams did, did did well as well. So rather than run through all the rest of the scores, I'm just going to tell you that the teams that won at the weekend in the FA Vars were, deep breath, Snodland Town, SC Thamesmead, Sheppey United, Rustall, K-Sports, Lordswood, Irithan Belvedere, Holmesdale, Beckenham Town, Brydon Ropes, who won on penalties, Glebe, Punjab United, and Tunbridge Wells, who were 4-0 winners on uh, Sunday. Punjab, should mention as well, were 5-0 winners in their game on Saturday. Uh, Much-needed win for Chippy and everybody at Punjab. So, uh, really delighted for them to get to, to get off and running uh, with that win. On Tuesday night, there were three replays. I've already mentioned uh, that Stansfield were beaten by Siddlesham. Uh, it wasn't really good for any of them, to be honest, because uh, Lidtown, who drew 5-5 after extra time on Saturday. Your, your mate's not a defender, is he? He is a defender. Oh. I spoke to the lady. I'll speak to her after this. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so, but they lost 2 0 after the time in their replay at Reigns Park Vale. Greenwich Borough with 3 2 winners over Bands Athletic in the other one. Uh, FA Cup replays as well on Tuesday night. Herm Bay beat AFC Croydon and BCD Athletic made it through against AFC Uckfield. Uh, we'll talk about the FA Cup shortly as well, but I was on the page uh, with one of those. Go, so that kind of. Going back to Punjab, I see Will Johnson Cole, who played a, a big part in that documentary that we were on that we were in, John. We don't like to mention that. Yeah. He's back at Punjab United, so maybe it didn't work out for him at, um, at Ramsgate because he, he said he was going to play the Premier League in a few years, didn't he? Wow. So uh, he's gone back to Punjab United. But he did score two at the weekend when they won 5 down. Well, he's in the Scaffold Premier Division, isn't he? That's what he wanted. That's true, that's true, that's true. Yeah, but he's played more Premier League football than I have then. Well, exactly, uh, as we all have. Um, <laughs> I haven't played any Premier League football either. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, but the FA Vars, so it's, it's a good start. Good, good number of teams through into the next round. We'll, we'll talk about who they're all going to play uh, next week when they're getting ready for the next round of fixtures. But there's, there's a decent start for, for our teams to get that many through. And there's still more to come in later in the competition. Oh, yeah, well, presumably people start coming in later in the competition. Yeah, it's... It, it, 
it's a, it's a nice competition in the early rounds. For it. It's probably a little bit of money for these sides and also chance a bit of glory. Can they get further in the competition? We'll have to wait and see. Well, of course, we've had some good runs over the last couple of seasons. Will another Kent side make it this year? We'll have to wait and see. Early, early days. Uh, Glebe, who were 3-0 winners at Guildford City, by the way, are also looking for a new manager this week after Peter Sweeney uh, resigned. So Glebe will be bringing in another manager. Uh, he's been in charge since about February time and he replaced Anwar Udin. Uh, there were some league games uh, at the weekend as well in the uh, in the Scaffold Premier Division. Uh, it was Beerstead 4, Hollands and Bear 3. Holland, uh, Beerstead are certainly scoring some goals of late. Uh, Canterbury City were 4-1 winners over uh, Fisher. And Chatham Town, 5-3 winners over Corinthians. So goals, goals, goals all over the place. Harry Harding, a friend of the show, getting one. And then a hat-trick from Paul Vines as well. Uh, we knew that Chatham would score goals. And, and so it is proving. Uh, also a game on Monday in the Scaffold Premier Division uh, between K-Sports and Crow Athletic, which means 2-1 to K-Sports. Uh, a double from Jason Perry. And uh, someone who was at that game on Monday night told me that the, the Perry's second goal, the winner, was one of the best goals they've ever seen. Uh, so... Uh, I don't know if there's any video footage around, uh, kicking around of that, but apparently it was an absolute screamer. All right, yeah, it was good. If any, anything there, please copy us in on our uh, Kent Non League podcast uh, Twitter handle. We, we'll put it out to the to the, uh, the the people out there. Yes, we certainly will. Uh, uh, there is another uh, FA Vars replay on Wednesday night between Wellingtown and Irith Town, uh, and also a league game between Lewisham Borough and Forest Hill Park in Division One. Uh, this to uh, there. Uh, and then on Saturday, there will be a full programme of fixtures in the Scaffold. Well, not quite a full programme of fixtures uh, because we've got two teams in the FA Cup. Uh, we've got Chertsey Town against Sheppey United and Sutton Athletic against Flackwell Heath. Uh, but in the league, in the Scaffold on Saturday, it's AFC Coyne against Hollands and Blair, Canterbury City against Corinthian, Crowborough against Chatham Town, Irith and Belvedere against Tunbridge Wells, Irith Town against Punjab United, Fisher against Beckenham Town, Glebe against Beerstead, uh, Greenwich Borough against K-Sports and Wellingtown against Deal Town. And then the first division, it's Brighton Ropes against Kent Football United, Forest Hill against FC Elmstead, Greenways against Croydon, Holmesdale against Kennington, Lidtown against Stansfeld, Rochester United take on Rostal, uh, Snodland Town meets SC Thamesmead. Uh, so that is that for the scaffold. But uh, uh, as I say, plenty of goals. And don't forget to do your Super 6. It wasn't on last week, so you didn't miss one, uh, is all I'm going to say to you on that front. Uh, we'll move on then to the... Victor League uh, and the Premier Division, where we have a Kent team at the top of the table uh, after folks in Victor continued their good start to the season. Five wins and a draw so far from their six matches. Uh, and after their latest win, which took them top of the table, Matt caught up with manager Neil Cugley. Yeah, been brilliant, really. Yeah. Above all our expectations, really. So, so been pleasing because we played some good sides as well. So to, to get the points we have, we're, we're obviously delighted. You said above your expectations, you know, you're a solid side at this level. Um, you know, what were the expectations for the start of the season? You know, I think we did the uh, preview show and we thought you could be in the playoffs and you're at that moment top of the table. Yes, we didn't really. Like, we don't really try and set out too much, <laughs> too much expectations. Just go on with it. We've got a sort of a wage budget we have to keep to and just go on with it and uh, see where we can finish at the end of the year. You know, it's not going to, the budget's never going to change much. So, you know, we get on and I think we've got uh, you know, value for money and what we've got out there playing. You've got some exciting players, Ira Jackson and Johan de strikers and things. Your sides have always scored goals. Where do they sort of stand? You think, where can they go in the game to Horst? Of course, he's been at Hull and, and Ira Jackson's had some clubs, but he seems to have settled down at Coaston. <laughs> yeah, they just need to settle down and get goals at this level. I'm sure if they did that week in, week out, I'm sure they'd get watched. That's, uh, that's how it goes, you know, in, in our, our level. A lot of players have 
who've scored goals um, for you know various teams at our level have moved on. You know, and uh, if they can keep scoring goals, I'm sure they'll be looked at. So, what about um, uh, the, the strength of the division this year? What would you say? You've had some sides come up who've been quite successful, Cray, etc., yeah, like that yeah. before. What would you, would you yeah. say the strength so far? Yeah, I think it's going to be a very close league, actually. I don't think you've got uh, the big hitters of like Lariki and Dalich before, and obviously Dorking done well last year and you know romped away with it in the end. I think it's going to be quite a close league, and uh, uh, every game's tough, as you say, this league. And uh, no, I don't think there'll be anybody that walks away with it, if I'm being honest. Because up the weekend, um, Josh Newcomb came in goal and he saved the last minute penalty for you. What's the? I see um, Tim Roberts has been your goalkeeper as well. What's happening with about those two? Are they just sort of fighting it out for the first team jersey? Uh, well, no, to be fair, Tim's always been in goal. He's been goal for me for five years, and then we, uh, when Newcomb's come in and done well, and uh, on Saturday because Tim was away, so we just we've decided that one. Uh, before the game on Saturday. Yeah, Newcomb, you know, he had a bit of pedigree in there and he's, again, I think he was a bit unlucky to be released from Margate, but he's a good, um, he's a good backup and good um, strength to, to, to work with Tim as well, isn't it? Yes, he is, yeah. No, we're, we're pleased with that. We've got two good goalkeepers now and, uh, yeah, we've got a good little squad. We've got 16, 17 men squad and uh, that's quite a lot for folks in, as you know. So, um, you know, that's good at the moment. We've got a good, strong bench and, uh, you know, obviously finances dictate whether we'll be able to keep that sort of strong bench or not as the season goes on. But at the moment, we are we are strong and we're able to bring on good forwards to replace ones during the game. Of course, finances help with the FA Cup. We've got a big game against uh, <laughs> Whitstable this weekend. Again, I think it's probably 12 or 13 years since you've been in the first round. How important is the FA Cup for Folkestone? Um, I think it's financially important, really. Obviously, it used to be the glory of the FA Cup. Now, I think it's the, the finances stroke the, the, you know, the glory, if you see what I mean. It's just become so, so important to... Uh, you know, if you can get a run in it, it does uh, help everything financially at a football club. So, you know, it's a shame we do talk about money when it's the FA Cup, but that's the truth of it now. Oh, that's football, I suppose. He's like Lloyd Blackman, you know pretty well as well, a manager yeah, of which the boy's yeah. gone in there with a sort of a younger squad. What do you expect from him? And um, well, He's a good manager, isn't he, Neil Lloyd? Yeah, he's a good lad. He's a good, I've known Lloyd, obviously, for a long, long time. He's a good person, and uh, I think he'll change how they play as well. They'll play a lot more football, I think, so it should be... I think it should be quite nice and you know, it should be a good game of football and hopefully we can get through. I don't know how he keeps doing it, Matt. I, I've got no idea. Can, can you shed any light on this? Uh, no, he, he mentioned in the interview there that there always budget issues at um, uh, focusing in Victor and various things, but he always managed to get players in. He, he's always scores goals, 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 don't they, folks? And a good clean sheet. I know he only got one at the weekend, but they've got some good strikers in there. He's got Jackson and DeHorst looking to get back into the game. He's just a, a wily old character. How many years he's been at Folkestone, I don't really know. Too many to mention. But yeah, and he's still got the hunger for it as well. And hopefully they can get a result in the um, in the competition in the F- well, well, go far in the competition. I know they're playing on the Kent side, but it'd be good if Neil Cugley can get deep into that competition as well. Yeah, um, it was a 1-0 win at Horsham on Saturday uh, for Invicta. In front of 622 at Horsham's new stadium. I was at Horsham when they got promoted, uh, when they were playing down at Lansing. And there is potential there, but that's a very impressive attendance uh, on Saturday at Horsham. Um, and folks, Invicta, it's just amazing the job that Neil Cugley has done. You know, he's been there for so long. And um, it, it became a bit of a, a thing where they just couldn't get over the line in, in the South East Division or the South Division as it was. 
But since they've got into the Premier Division, they've just gone up a level and they've just maintained it every single time. And, and you know, he plays it down a bit there, but you know, it is a wide open league and there's absolutely no reason why they can't keep on keep this one going. Yeah, every year he may lose a player, but he keep managing to get players in. And another thing as well, the longevity of some of the players have got there. You mentioned Tim Roberts, he's been there first team goalkeeper five years, didn't play at the weekend. He's had play and 300 games. Other players in the squad have just been there for years and years and years under Neil Cugley. So the respect that he's got from that um, it must be untrue. And again, it's the hunger and the desire to keep on going. So, uh, you know, the folks have had so many money problems over the years. But top of the table, can they get... If he can lead them into Conference South, that will be an unbelievable achievement. It's, it is. I mean, it, that would be one of the, the the great achievements, really, because they are, you know, that the, they're out on a limb. That they are focusing in Victor, and and you just look at it, and and it would be absolutely phenomenal if they if they were to do that. And uh, well, who should say they're not going to? And we wish them all the best of luck uh, for the rest of the season, of course. And I'm sure we'll speak to Neil again uh, elsewhere on Saturday. Uh, Margate were beating 2-0 at home to Worthing. Still not quite clicking for Margate uh, so far this season. And also also in the Premier Division, it was Potter's Bar Town 1, Cray Wanderers 1. Uh, Joe Taylor scoring late on to uh, to secure a point there for uh, Cray Wanderers. Uh, early, early stages in the league table, of course. But Margate are 15th with six points from six games. Uh, Cray Wanderers are 14th with six points from five games. Uh, six goals scored, which is, is something that's probably... It's a bit of a surprise from Cray Wanderers, Matt, because they've been a team who scored a lot of goals. I know they've stepped up a level, but I'd have thought that they'd have more than six goals in, in five games. Yeah, they've got some... I think, you know, mentioned there about uh, Taylor. You know, he's been a focus on a race in Margate. Had him. He's a local boy around here and uh, scoring goals. He's a good player. Tommy Murphy they've got as well. Yeah, I think they're settling into the level, uh, that sort of thing. But it's, it, it, again, I think you probably find out it's a bit of a leap from the Ryman or the Devon Bostick South as it was to... The Victor Maldu Premier Division, so um, yeah, I, I think they I think they'll be fine. Cray, once they get the get, 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 get develop, they score goals in the FA Cup, then they, they'll be fine. But uh, Margate disappointing from them. Um, game needs to win their games at home if they're going to be up there. But I think it's going to be a tight old division this year. Yeah, we're looking to the South East Division as well, uh, where early leaders are Cray Valley with ten points from four, and Ashford United have got nine from three. So they're a hundred percent so far this season uh, in the competition. Uh, in the league so far. Obviously, they've got that game in hand for where they didn't play Ramsgate. Uh, at the bottom of the table, the bottom three are all Kent clubs. Phoenix Sports haven't uh, yet to get a point and they've played three of their four games at home as well. Uh, Ramsgate are also have got one point from their three games uh, and Hythe Town, as we've already discussed at length, have got the, just the four points, uh, sorry, just the three points from their four games. Uh, looking back at Saturday's results in that division, uh, we had Ashford United 2, Burgess Hill Town 0. I see David Smith, Matt, is, uh, is scoring goals for Ashford, incidentally. Um, it was uh, Chichester City 2, Faversham Town 1. Herne Bay 0, Cray Valley PM 3. Uh, Hive Town 0, Whitehawk 1. Whitehawk ended that game with nine men as well, including Dwayne Afori Achiampong, uh, a name that we all know, uh, being sent off late on. Uh, it was Phoenix Sports 1, Guernsey 2. Seven Oaks Town thumped Whitstable 4-0. A really good start to the season for Seven Oaks. It was Sittingbourne 2, East Grinstead 2 and VCD Athletic 2, Ramsgate 2. Um, no league games this weekend. Uh, it is the FA Cup for teams that are still in it. So the fixtures for our Kent teams in the FA Cup this weekend. Ashford United against Farnborough. Bognor Regis Town against Sittingbourne. It's Chertsey Town against Sheppey United. Seven Oaks go to Corinthian Casuals. Herm Bay are away to Haringey Borough. Margate are on the road as well at Horsham YMCA. 
Ramsgate host Arundel. It's Sutton Athletic against Flackwell Heath. VCD Athletic won on penalties in that replay at Upfield host Moneyfields. It's Whitsville against Folkestone. And then on Sunday, Cray Wanderers against Bedfont Sports. Uh, obviously, the standout game there, the two standout games really, Whitsville against Folkestone from a Kent Derby point of view and Sutton Athletic against Flackwell Heath from a, from a come on boys, you're doing amazing point of view. Yeah. Flackwell Heath, what, what league, what stand are they? A couple of levels above them, are they? They are one level above, so they're the same as Scaffold Premier. They're in the, I think they're in the United Counties League or something like that. Oh, they're in so, that, but, so the same level as a Scaffold Premier team. So, yeah, fingers crossed, what an achievement if they can get through that. So, it may be tough, but, you know, no, who gave them the chance in their previous round against uh, Ashford United Middlesex? So, yeah, good good play on that. Should be some discipline. Great Valley still in the cup? Uh, no, they were knocked out by Whiteleaf. Whiteleaf, so, yeah, uh, from that. But Ashford, Ashford against Farnborough, famous old club in Farnborough. Yeah, some big clubs there. I'm sure we're going to guarantee a few go through and fingers crossed for them there before the big boy. well, semi, semi-big boys come in next round. Yeah, Flackwell Heath uh, are in the Hellenic Premier Division uh, and they won 3-1 uh, against Reading City uh, last night on Tuesday. And the, uh, the one of the goals was scored by player manager Marcus Richardson, uh, who's a name that I definitely know. Uh, he's now 42. Yes, yeah. he's now 42 and uh, he's scored for them in that win against Reading City. He was like a beanpole, I think, wasn't he? Marcus I think Richardson. so, yeah. Big, big tall fella. I'm just I'm just looking him up now uh, to see if we can Weymouth? find him. Weymouth? Uh, let's have a look. Oh, he's not played for many clubs. He has played for Weymouth. Uh, Torquay United is where I recognise him from the yeah. most, I think. Yeah. Um, he's also played for... Oh, shall I do the deep breath thing again, Matt? You ready? Yeah, go on, go on. Burnham, Sloughtown, Harrow Borough, Cambridge United, Torquay United, Hartlepool United, Lincoln City, Lone, Lincoln City, Lone, Lincoln City, Rochdale, Yeovil, Chester City, Macclesfield Town, Weymouth, Cambridge United, Crawley Town, Bury, Farnborough, Henley Town, Windsor and Eaton, Reading Town, Marlow, Highmore, Ibis, Flackwell Heath. That is a list of clubs. Longer than Jack Nicholas has, but that's, he's had a decent career. I need yeah. to drink that. Yeah, being pole striker, yeah. Yeah, six foot three inches, in fact. Yeah, thin. Yeah, Beanpole. That's what Beanpole means, mate. Yeah, Beanpole. Beanpole. How many league goals did he get, many? Uh, not a load, I don't think. He, I mean, he, he was moderately successful, wasn't he? I, yeah, I suppose. Well, he had a career. Yeah, good luck. yeah I mean, eight at Torquay in a season, nine at a season at Lincoln as well. Uh, did scored thirty two in eighty eight appearances for Farnborough as well, which would have been at a decent level in two thousand seven, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, so he'll he'll obviously be a, a danger, but I, I fancy Sutton Athletic on Saturday, and I think uh, our friend at FA Cup Fat File may be uh, making an appearance at Sutton as well, Matt, on Saturday. So, uh, but I yeah, was, good luck. I, I've t- I mentioned Fat Fat File because with Berry going out of the Chris situation, I wondered what they were going to do. Yeah, I assume, I assume so, there's going to well, be a buy somewhere along the way. That somebody will get a buy. Yeah, one of the first round clubs will get a buy, so it could be non-league travel. It could be Portsmouth to get us a buy. So. Yeah. Rather than getting a lucky loser in, so but again, the league hasn't really got much for clue. So um, um, we'll, we'll work. they'll probably worry about that the day it gets drawn. Yeah, some really good games there as well. Ashford United against Farnborough. I think there's a chance of, a, of an Ashford win there. Seven Oaks away to Corinthian Casuals, who are struggling at the bottom of the uh, Victor Meldrew Premier, is, is an interesting one as well. And Ramsgate will be favourite surely against uh, Arundel from the Southern Combination League uh, two. Let's move on then to the National League, where on Tuesday night, uh, Matt's Described him as his all-time favourite player uh, in the FEO. Oh, no, no, one of my favourite players, right. yeah. One of his all-time favourite players. 
uh, striker Ineffion missed a penalty uh, in the 1-1 draw with uh, with Ebb Street, the Kent derby. And um, I've seen the penalty uh, from behind the goal. It, it wasn't the finest one, but he scored two at Harrogate on Saturday. So um, is the, the and I put this question to Andy Hesson-Tolomans at Radio Kent the other day. Is the big man better away from home than he is at home? Um, no, I, I had a decent game there on Saturday when he goes past people. But sometimes, um, I say I described to you earlier, he's like a world beater one minute, then he's like a competition winner the next in some ways. But that's why I like him because he's so so. Tr- no, he's got two cracking goals against Harrogate, and he wanted that penalty. But it's probably one of the worst penalties you're ever likely to see. Is it the worst penalty you've ever seen? It's one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. Yes, doesn't it? It's, it's about a, oh, it's about three foot wide of the post and over the bar. So I can't really remember all the worst penalties I've seen, but it's up there. But it gives it's everybody sort of you know there is some sort of thing they knew he was going to miss sort of thing. But oh, I really like him because he's a willing tryer and he will, will cause problems. But he's a confidence player. My concern is when he missed penalties last season, which he missed quite a couple, his game went to pot after that because I think. You know, sometimes he needs a little bit of a cuddle to keep him going. But he had a couple of good efforts yesterday. It was a bit unlucky, yeah. But it wasn't the greatest thing. And despite what Andy Hesentalo um, and Gary Hill said, I didn't think it was a particularly good game. And I thought the result was probably a fair result, a draw, really, because I thought Epstein bossed it in the first half. Um, they looked like a great goalkeeper. Holmes, the uh, Epstein, the new goalie they got in the Australian under 23, he was excellent. Great, good handling, good feet. He looks a good prospect now. But Ashmore seems to be on his way out, even though he's not training, he's sort of working from working from home, I think, because I don't think a move worked out for him in the January, in the recent transfer window. But no, yeah, it was a, you know, keep going in EF Young and hope he'll probably bang a hatch against Bournemouth on Saturday now. Well, hopefully. Um, so, I mean, obviously you talk about Dover a, a lot and we kind of know your thoughts on them. So, what, what did you make of Ebb Street? Obviously, they're, they're a work in progress, aren't they? Yeah, I think um, from what people said, it was one of their best performance, better performances of the season. Uh, Dover were pushing and on the door, uh, particularly in the second half, and the goalie kept a minute a few times. Um, my concern would be where were the goals going to come from? Obelai scored the goal, a decent goal as well. It caused David problems with crossing to the left. So I was quite impressed with Alex Reid. Um, but again, for me, scoring goals could be an issue for them. They haven't got much creativity, sort of plenty of um, workhorses in the midfield, not much going forward. I thought Miles Weston had a good game coming forward there. But yeah, I think, that, you know, there will work on the basis if we don't concede goals we might not lose goal, uh, lose matches but scoring goals will be concerned is it going to be a long hard season for them uh, arguably but I think with Gary Hill and his now some, they're constantly going to bring players in and out that they may have enough to, to avoid it but I think goal scoring could be an issue for them but I was impressed with that Alex Reid but who's on loan from Stevenage but you look at his record he's not a proven goal scorer this level again as, as my favourite comment is plenty of willing runners up that front for absolutely well, exactly. Uh, Bromley play on Wednesday night against Dagenham and Redbridge. Still unbeaten, uh, Bromley, after a drawing 2-2 with AFC Fold uh, on Saturday. And, and uh, it's, I, I still don't think we would have believed that the top four at this early stage of the season would be Halifax, Woking, Bromley and Maidenhead, uh, with Stockport and Dover just behind. No? Uh, no, it's it's a bit of a shock. Some of the big boys aren't doing too well. So, But you've seen this before when Tranmere got promoted. They were languishing right near the bottom. So some of the big boys, the likes of the Fouds, the Wrexhams, um, 
who else is well, there's plenty of big boys in this division you think they'll come good so sooner rather than later so yeah it's still a, a tight division game 10 this weekend isn't it yeah crazy when you think Ashford United have only played three league games and, and all our boys in the National League have played 10 league games that shows them um, there's something wrong with the organisation in this division of, the, of the, some of the fixtures in this. Yeah, something Andy Hesson Tyler has spoken about a couple of times as well. That will be maybe a debate we have uh, another day. Uh, this weekend, as Matt's already mentioned, it's Boreham Wood against Dover Athletic. Uh, Bromley are at home to Chesterfield, who haven't won yet this season. Uh, really Chesterfield, surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Ebbsfleet United are at home to Eastleigh, another team who probably will be expecting to come good 14th at the moment. Uh, we, we really are uh, running out of time here for, for you to, you're probably all getting very bored of this, so we'll move on to the National League South very quickly, uh, where there has been a massive resurgence in Maidstone United, Matt. Uh, 1-0 winners at Dulwich Hamlet on uh, on Tuesday, after their 4-1 win over, over uh, Chelmsford while you were off swanning about last week. They, yeah, they lost at Wilson on Saturday, but it looks like Maidstone is sort of going to do better than we were expecting. Uh, I, again, they're in the what sixth or seventh now. I think they are. Wilson running away with it. Nine wins out of ten. I think they've got eight wins out of nine. Whatever they played. So yeah, yeah you know it's a good result against Dulwich. I think um, Maidstone's away form has um, was good, pretty good last year. The one more away game at home. So going there late goal. That's a, a good sign for it. And John Stillside's will come good. Will they have enough to win the league? I don't think so. They should. Yeah, you know, the way they go at the moment, playoffs could be a, a good bet for for them uh, from that point of view but it, going in the right direction I think uh, uh, the Stones in that and if they can do that a big game from this weekend I think they've got Havenham there at home so that puts down a marker Havenham haven't lost yet I know they're playing this evening but uh, if they can do Haven, that will show yeah they're definitely going in the right direction and Just as it has been the last couple of years since we've been doing this show the, the National League South table is ridiculous you've got Wildstone are seven points clear at the moment uh, before that Havenham and Waterlooville game but then you've got Billericay on 17 Havenham and Waterlooville on 16 Hem- Hempstead on 16 and then five teams on 14, two teams on 13, and three teams on 12. So you've got five points separating second and 14th. 14th place, incidentally, is Welling, uh, who drew 0-0 with Eastbourne Borough last night. Um, and the other and the other game we've already mentioned, Tumbridge Angels 3, Dartford 2. Uh, that's a, a big win for Tumbridge Angels. Obviously, the knock-on effect for Dartford we've already discussed at length. But Tumbridge Angels, they just need to keep picking up the points. And, and they're finding their feet at this level. Yeah, I think um, Stephen Kim said it would take him time to still defeat the confidence they'll get from that. So he had a uses come into the side. Now Tom Derry, the most handsome man in football, scored last night against Darford. So, um, yeah, I think it, it, it's, it's a learning progress from that. Have they got this weekend, Tunbridge? Uh, they have got, on Saturday, a trip to Chippenham. So that's, that's, that's interesting that's because trick. Matt Davison, friend of, friend of the show, friend of, uh, friend of lots of things, very nice man. Uh, he has kind of said to me, and if you and if you look at the table, he's very much on the money that the teams Tunbridge Angels have played so far, apart from Dartford, are all in and around the top. They played Bath, they played Haven, they've played, um, you know, they've played Eastbourne, who, who people are expecting to do well. But they've played a lot of strong teams. Really, they played Dorking, you know, and Dulwich. You know, they've played a lot of good teams. So being at Chippenham is is a, 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 an opportunity for them. Yeah, well, Chippenham, I saw them against Dartford last evening. Chippenham were a, a solid conference south side. They, Dartford battered them a bit and Chippenham went on and won the game with their only shot on goal. So um, that's a good test for them because Chippenham are not going to be top end of the table. They're going to be sort of a middle of the table. That's the sign of side. Go there, pick up a point. That's a good result. They did, did it against Bath, didn't they? Um, they got a point, yeah. Sort of time yeah, so shows that you have confidence growing for the Angels. And again, the key thing for them is finishing third from bottom so they don't get relegated from this division. But they're going in the right direction. Exactly. Um, and this weekend, as we've already said, it, as Matt has just said there, is Tumbridge Angels against 
against Chippenham. Uh, Dartford, who obviously will be under possibly under new management, are at home to Dorking, so a tough game uh, for them there. We shall see what goes on with that one. Welling United, who were beaten 3-0 at Concord on uh, Saturday, are on the road again. Still finding their feet, I suppose, under the, under Mark Goldberg again. Uh, the wings of Maidstone, as Matt has already said, at home to Haven and Waterloo. So that'll be a tough game for them. But you know, they'll, they'll be on a bit of a high because they they had a very good away win, uh, a very good home win last time out at home. And uh, who's to say that the Stones can't get a, get a result there against Haven and Waterlooville and uh, Danny Kedwell et al on Saturday? Right, and um, we've got a final before we uh, before we wrap this up. Right, uh, we would have been happy if we scored that penalty. Didn't we? <laughs> so, player of the week. Um, uh, we're trying to think. Now, player of the week. Oh, uh, from what I saw, the absolute goalkeeper was excellent against Dover, the Australian and 23rd. Um, anybody banging any big goals? Well, no, we've got to go Dave Smith. Dave Smith, Banging yeah. them in for Ashford. Um, picked up by um, uh, Tommy Warlow. So, yeah, we'll go uh, Dave Smith and hopefully he can fire them to glory in the FA Cup this weekend. Oh, that's a beautiful segue to, to end the show. Look, look, well, looking forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. So, uh, my concern is Bournemouth haven't won at home in 2019. Oh, that's Dover what they're won all their away <laughs> yep. game. Dover have won all their away games this season. Do you know what that? Absolutely nailed on home banker at. Uh, is it called yeah, Meadow yeah, exactly, Park? Yeah. That godforsaken hole where they yeah, play. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, well, enjoy yourselves. You know, I'm a bit about woking. Uh, who are I found a delight last week? I must admit. Um, yeah, that's it for this week's Kent Non League podcast. Um, as always, thank you to everyone for listening. You can follow us on social media at Kent NL Podcast. Uh, on Twitter and on Facebook, which I never, I never remember to update, but we're at Kenton League on Facebook. Uh, feel free to get in touch with us as as the people at Kennington did. Uh, if you've got something that that we should be discussing on the show, um, and we will be back next week. Uh, in the meantime, Monday night on the radio, we launched our new sh- our new look show. Uh, we were joined by Canterbury rugby coach Andy Pratt, but we talked about all the non league football. Uh, we did give a shout out to a couple of scaffold teams and players as well. Um, and this Monday, we're going to be joined by Darren Hare. Uh, assistant manager uh, or coach at uh, Dover Athletic uh, to talk about uh, that, the, the Whites and more. And we'll also be talking about futsal this Monday, 9 o'clock, BBC Radio Kent. So uh, that'd be interesting if you'd like to tune into that. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks everyone for listening to this week's uh, Kent Only podcast. And we will be back with you next week, when next Wednesday. I'm sure it's someone's birthday. I'm really not sure. Uh, but anyway, thanks everyone for listening. We'll speak to you all then. I think I'll use the word beanpole. Plenty too much in this podcast this week. <laughs>